Welcome to the Be Loud About What Matters podcast. I'm Olivia, your host. On this podcast, I will be bringing light to topics that are important but not discussed enough within our society. Episodes will include a range of topics, starting with the journey to conceive, pregnancy, birth, postpartum and motherhood, holistic healing and nutrition, and the importance of true informed consent and medical freedom. The goal of this podcast is to create connections, share stories, information, and resources to educate and empower people in their own personal journey. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Be Loud About What Matters podcast. Today, I have a guest on who we've been trying to have on for a while. Our schedules keep changing and life keeps happening, but we are here and excited to chat. So today, I have Sarah Moore, who I connected with on Instagram. I found your account most likely while I was looking up something in regards to conscious parenting or responsive parenting, and her content was just so spot on, just spoke to my soul, and the work that I care so deeply about as a mother. So Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It is a joy to be connected with a like-minded mama like you. Yes, 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 yes. So would you mind sharing a little bit about you, your work, and what sets your soul on fire with everyone? Sure, absolutely. So for starters, I'm like 400 years old. I'm actually not. <laughs> I feel like I preface it by saying that because I actually worked in corporate America for almost 20 years before I had my daughter. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And then when I had her, I realized I can either give 100 billion percent of myself at work or I can give 100 billion percent of myself at home. Mm-hmm. And I knew I couldn't do both. I am a type A personality when it comes to that. And I knew I would crash. So I ended up making a very tricky, very um, trusting decision that things would land as they should. So I had my daughter and decided to stay home with her and was very blessed that I was in a position where I could do that, you know, in addition to making sacrifices to make that possible. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that very early on, I was getting a lot of really, I'll be blunt, really crummy advice about Mm -hmm. how to support my baby, you know, when and how to feed her, when and how to pick her up, when and how to respond to her cries. And I got curious about so much of it because so much of it went directly against my instincts that were feed her when she's hungry, pick her up when she cries, be responsive when she's looking for connection because she's doing the best she can to figure out how life outside the womb works. She's yes. brand new here. Yes. I love that. And I love that you prefaced it like that because I had that conversation with one of my friends, Carly, on the other podcast that I'm a co-host on, just that our kids just got here. And we so often as as adults and a lot of people in our society, depending on what their views are on parenting, they just forget that. Like our children are just so new to the world, especially as newborns and infants. They're used to being in your body, next to your heartbeat, right? just being constantly nourished and surrounded by you. And so when they come out into this world that's cold and loud and scary and all they know is you, that's all that they want. Exactly, yes. So I started researching exactly why that is and whether there was really any drawback of picking up my baby when she cried, for example. Mm -hmm. And I started writing about it. I've always been a writer. I process my learning that way. But then people started paying attention to my writing and I thought, you know, I don't want to be some random mama on the internet. The world has enough of those. I actually Mm -hmm. want to have some credentials under my belt. So I went back and got certified as a master trainer in conscious parenting. I 
worked directly for Elizabeth Pantley, who is a best-selling author of Gentle Sleep Solutions. Mm-hmm. I went and worked in the classroom with um, a guy named Teacher Tom, who is one of the world's leaders in democratic play-based education, and kept meeting and spending time with these incredible minds in the industry. And the more I learned, the more validation I had and could pass along to people who were paying attention to me about this, why it actually is critically important. Here's not only my opinion, but here's the science, here's the research, Mm. here's every single thing imaginable pointing to the importance of setting a solid foundation for connection because when our kids are little, granted it's never too late if somebody wants to start later, but if we can start when our children are little, we build that foundation where trust, joy, connection, and mutual happiness and really ease of parent parenting can grow and flourish rather than having to feel like every day is a struggle. Yes. And I love that you that you framed it that way because what I've found is that being in tune with myself and my maternal instinct and what just feels natural was always and is always easier than going against that for myself, but also for my daughter. And so the same thing that you faced, I also faced people telling me to basically go against my instincts and just do this or that. And it might be hard for a little bit, but they would be okay. And I remember just sitting there listening to them (laughs) And looking at people just saying, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not going to do that. Like, thank you for, for sharing that with me. I'm just not going to do that. I And so I feel like when you really tune into what you feel is best for yourself and for your family, it is so much easier. Just, it is. It's just, it's an energy shift. It's the connection, the love, the joy. And I'm not saying that we won't, you won't have difficult days. We all have difficult days, whether it's for ourselves or with our children. But what it really comes down to is finding that connection and figuring out what's going on, whether it's with us as adults, as mothers, or with our children, what's going on with them. And I think what people oftentimes don't realize is that if internally something is going on with us, that means we have an unmet need. And if our children are acting out, I'm going to say this in air quotes, acting out or misbehaving as people label it, they have an unmet need and they're just seeking our connection. And sometimes people will say, oh, well, they just want attention. And yes, they do. They they want you to pay attention to them. They want you to tell them that it's going to be okay or they just need some one-on-one time with you. And sometimes they don't have words to say that. So I really love how you framed that because I think it's important. It's an important way for people to see it, a, dif- a different perspective. Well, thank you so much. And this is hard work, especially if we are coming from a family of origin where perhaps we didn't have this awareness. Perhaps our parents or our caregivers were operating under some old information. It doesn't mean that they didn't do the best they could, but perhaps everybody in their you know, support network was telling them that they were doing it wrong and they caved under the pressure because they were really trying to do what they thought would be best for us, even if it went against their intuition. So we sometimes have some 
inner child healing that we need to do and that can be part of our narrative it can be part of our work that we bring forward into our parenting relationship with our own children and we also need really specific and actionable tools and i talk a lot about these in my book peaceful discipline story teaching brain science and better behavior Mm -hmm. because we need to know what to do in the moment especially if we have conflicting information within our own body. Maybe right. part of it is like, I know I really want to be calm, and yet my body wants to yell. I don't know what to do with both of these at the same time. So I try very hard to give parents and caregivers strategies so they can say, oh, now I know what to do when I have this internal strife mm-hmm. so that I can still be peaceful, even if it's hard and I'm unwiring a lot of stuff in my brain. Yes. Yes, I love that so much because we mothers need support too. Parents need support too. And I say it all the time. If you're not supporting mothers, that also impacts our kids. And so we have to work together as a society to really just make sure that people are educated and aware and provided with the information that they need to make decisions for themselves and to help them heal. So would you mind sharing a bit about what you do for work as a positive parenting coach? I'd be happy to, sure. So I coach parents and caregivers and educators and all sorts of people who don't even directly work with children, but who know children in their lives, who want to basically start healing the world, whether it's within their own home or within the schools where they work or wherever it may be. They're saying, I see all sorts of horrible things happening. We've got atrocities being committed left and right. Something is broken and I want better, be it for my own family, for my own children, or for whatever the next generation may face. I want something better because it feels like the planet is really going to heck in a handbasket right now. (laughs) (laughs) So they come to me. I typically teach groups and we get together and we figure out you know what, really the source of so much pain in the world right now is chronic disconnection. Mm. It's people who feel that they lack secure attachment, they lack community, they lack just that single person who is going to show up for them consistently, lovingly, compassionately. Instead, they grow up feeling isolated and alone and disconnected. And people who grow up feeling isolated, alone and disconnected end up committing incredible acts of desperation in an effort to simply be seen. Mm. And the thing is, this is fixable. This is something that is within our control to change. We can help the children who are already thriving to thrive even more. We can help the children who are struggling to say, I'm going to give you a soft landing. I'm going to help change the trajectory of your life because healing is possible healing is accessible to every single one of us by god's grace it's all possible Mm -hmm. and here's how we do that so in my sessions with my groups we talk about family of origin stuff we talk about the importance of forgiveness and repair Mm -hmm. we talk about how to fix it when we have messed up because let's face it we're not here talking about the perfect parenting show that doesn't happen anywhere we are going to mess up but when we mess up what do we do with that right so that we not only recover from it but actually come out stronger as a team with our child because of it right and when we have all of these tools when we understand the nervous system when we understand 
even elements of polyvagal theory, which some people are going to be like, what in the world are you talking about? (laughs) Honestly, it doesn't really matter, but there are elements of science and faith and real life that we can bring in to every interaction that we have with every other human, especially the young humans in our lives. Mm -hmm. We can heal our world from the inside out, starting at a very individual level. In addition to that, I offer online mini courses, I've got blog posts, I've got all the social media, I occasionally do one-on-one coaching, but really the heart of my work right now is getting this book out there because I know that so many people you know, don't have time to do the long-term courses and what have you, but perhaps right. they can read a couple of pages a day. Perhaps those couple of pages will somehow change just one thing in their day to make that one thing go a little bit better than it did the day before. Mm-hmm. And it's that tiny baby step incremental healing that I believe is so instrumental for all of us. Yes. I'm so excited for your book. I can't wait for you to share more about it and for it to be released so I can dive into it. And I think you're right. I think that people don't realize how much one thing can change the trajectory for you, whether it's on a daily basis, a monthly basis, a yearly basis, just one conversation, reading one book, listening to one podcast. It's the little things that become the big things. And people sometimes, and I understand this when it comes to parenting, I think a lot of people have so much information thrown at them about parenting, whether it's advice from others or things that they're reading. And it can feel overwhelming to to have it all tossed at you and trying to download it all and understand it all and figure out what works best for you. But just doing one thing differently can drastically change your mood or the energy in your family or your day. And so, like you said, baby steps, just these little things, taking what you read and what you learn and kind of experimenting with them and implementing certain things, seeing what works for you, seeing what doesn't work for you is, I think, really important that we don't feel that we just have to do one thing or go just one way. there, There are numerous ways to do it. Yeah. And I think that people just need to know and feel comfortable with doing what works best for their family based off of what they learn. And so I know that me personally, I had a lot of unlearning to do and a lot of new learning to do. And so I think that's the beautiful part of it as we walk through life as mothers and as parents and also have interactions with other people who may be curious about why we are parenting the way that we are, because it can really open up deep and healing conversations, which I also think is a really beautiful thing. And I think a lot of these conversations with older generations can be very new to them and they may not have thought about things from that perspective. So I think that it can be nice from maybe hearing it from us as their children and opening up those conversations with them in regards to things that they maybe never thought about because they didn't experience it growing up, like you were saying. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a really tricky balance because when we have these conversations with the older generations, i.e. our own parents, oftentimes the risk we take is them feeling that we have accused them of not parenting us correctly. Yes. We're telling them that they've done it wrong and that they've somehow injured us or messed us up. And the thing is... It's actually kind of true. I'm going to be blunt that way. I'm going to say, yeah, you know what? Some of these patterns weren't healthy 
And I don't know that I would say it exactly like that to my own parents, for example, and maybe I would, right. but I might find a way to say, you know what, with compassion, with love, I know you always did the best you could with the information you have. We know so much more about brain science and neuroscience and child development than was even possible to know. You couldn't study the brain in the level of detail that we have now. Right. Back I was little. So we simply have more information. And now that we know more, we can do things differently. But it doesn't mean that our relationship needs to be any worse for it. It just means that we are shifting some habits and some patterns. And it's okay to say, and perhaps I would say this more among my peer group and younger generations than I would upwards, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But I would say it's okay to say, you know what? I actually didn't turn out fine. Yes. There was all the big emphasis on, oh, well, my parents did this and I turned out fine. I'm going to go ahead and say I could have been more fine, mm -hmm. a little bit more information. Yeah. And our now is to help our children turn out a little bit more fine than we did. Mm -hmm. And that's where more of that healing in the world can start to flourish. Yeah. And I think, like you said, I don't really view it as blunt. I know that some people do like blunt or bold to say that we're not okay. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people walking around in this world who, like you mentioned a few minutes earlier, are really disconnected and really struggle in relationships and really struggle with feeling supported or feeling like they can reach out to people. And the way that we're parented impacts our relationships for the rest of our life, which a lot of people, I don't know if they aren't ready to hear it or they don't want to acknowledge it because it, it can feel heavy. And I understand that. And I think that it's important to remember that we can take what we learn and then we can change. We always have a choice. If it's not working for us or we see the these vicious patterns or cycles that are continuing to circle around us in our lives, we can change that. Like you said, there are certain things we do have control of and the way that we parent is one of those things. And we have to be able to talk to other people about it and talk to our parents about it and be like, you know what? That wasn't okay. But at the time you thought it was because that's what you were told. And like you said, we have so much more access to information at our fingertips at this point that they did not. And so it really depends on the people that you were surrounding with and what those parenting practices were. And a lot of the parenting practices here in the United States were very disconnected from their children. And compared to other countries where they had villages surrounding them and people who were just there all the time. And so, yes, we can, we can view it as you did the best with the information that you had and the support that you had. But we can also say, it's different now and we don't want things to repeat that way. So we have the choice to make it different for ourselves and for our kids. And I also think it's important to remember that we're not perfect. I don't even use that word in my vocabulary because I don't want it to be something that my daughter grows up hearing and thinking that you need to be perfect all the time and that we're not ever going to mess up and make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. There are things that we're going to do that are going to impact our kids. But like you mentioned, one of the most important things to do is to sit with them, acknowledge that you made a mistake, acknowledge that you may have hurt them or hurt their feelings or whatever the situation was, and work to repair that together. 
Because if you ignore that and pretend like that wasn't a big deal or that you didn't hurt them, then that's going to sit with them and will impact them. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, it's so funny that you mentioned the mistakes because when I wrote my book and I told my daughter who I think at the time I told her I was writing it, she was about eight. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and I said, baby girl, I'm writing a book to um, hopefully help other parents and other caregivers in the world. And she looked at me so innocently with her big, beautiful blue eyes and said, mama, is it about how to make mistakes? Because you're really good at that. (laughs) And I thought, you know, thanks, baby girl. You know, I've been practicing mistakes every single day. But part of it is just normalizing. We're going to mess up all the time. And in fact, in my book, I think I share more examples of things I did, quote unquote, wrong Mm -hmm. than things I've done right. Because The goal here, to your point, is not perfection. Mm -hmm. The goal is how can I make this very next moment, the one right in front of me, the one I can touch with my nose, how can I make that moment more peaceful rather than less peaceful? Mm -hmm. And when I trip and fall on my nose and make a big mess of the moment, I get to get back up and say, wow, I know this affected both of us and I'm so sorry and here's what I'm going to do differently next time. Mm-hmm. And our children learn so much more from our humanity yes, and our ability to own up to our shortcomings than they ever possibly would from some perceived notion of our perfection. That's just not real. Right. I was going to say, we have to show them our humanness. We have to show them that we are human. We're going to mess up. We're not going to be perfect. And it's in the fact that it's okay to do that as long as we are actively working to do something differently next time. Exactly. Yeah. And to your point too, this can be really hard for a lot of us because a lot of us were raised in homes where we didn't have permission to make mistakes. We were punished for making mistakes. We were sent to our room if we expressed our feelings. You know, a lot of us were raised with, in attachment terms, an avoidant style attachment, which is basically, I'm going to say, I'm fine. Everything's fine. There's nothing wrong here. It's all good. Mm -hmm. And at some point, we have to be brave enough and strong enough as adults who are healing from the inside out to say, you know what? I'm not fine. Mm -hmm. I'm making mistakes. And I have to be able to name the proverbial elephant in the room if I'm ever going to have a chance to heal from it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I love that you that you just mentioned as adults expressing our emotions and expressing how we feel because it's something that I struggle with. <laughs> I think yeah. most people our age do. And so when we actually realize I am not okay, I've been processing this or compartmentalizing it or suppressing it, and then it bubbles up, that that's what happens. It, it, things, co- they pour out in different ways if we don't actually address what's going on inside. And one of the things that I've actually been having a lot of conversations with with parents and the families that I work with is helping our children name their feelings and name their emotions. And obviously this depends on where they are developmentally and what they can pick up on and understand based on their age. And we have been talking about different ways that we can do that. So we've been reading different books about our feelings and our emotions and like looking at little charts that have different facial expressions and then talking about what those different emotions are. And it is so important for, for us to do that while our children are young 
so they can name their feelings, so they can name their emotions, and then so they grow up feeling comfortable expressing those things. Because if you grow up where, like you've mentioned, you were not really able to express your your feelings or you just had to be fine, or if you did start to express your emotions and you were punished for doing so, then you become uncomfortable with being vulnerable and open. And I think another thing that also ties into this is that I've spoken to a lot of mothers who feel like they shouldn't be expressing their emotions in front of their children. And I think that there you need to find that that line where that balance, right? So if there's a lot going on that you need to talk to an adult about, then you do that. But expressing your emotions in front of your children in a healthy way is okay. Like it's okay for them to see you crying when you're sad. It's okay for them to see you laughing hysterically at things. And I'm saying these don't have to be negative emotions or what people view as negative emotions. It's our kids have to see us being human. We, we want them to see that. They're looking at every single thing that we do. And so I think it's really beautiful to be able to have a conversation with your child where you've been working so hard to talk to them about their feelings and then they finally come to you and they're like, I'm feeling sad. And you ask, you're able to ask them why and they're able to name that at a young age. is It's honestly, I... I remember when my daughter did it for the first time and I was just so happy that she was able to say, hey, I'm not okay and here's why. So then you can work together through that. Yes, this is a life skill. I love that your daughter was able to do that for you because it's accessible. A lot of times people have the false understanding or the false belief that oh little kids they don't know what they're feeling just tell them they're okay tell them don't cry when they fall down tell them they're fine whatever but really all that does is teach them how to suppress their emotions and we can say this is actually one of my very very favorite phrases in parenting I use it practically daily it's all of your feelings are safe here Mm. when my daughter comes to me and she's mad or she's sad or she's really happy or whatever it may be when I tell her out loud verbally all of your feelings are safe here not only does it literally tell her that her feelings are welcome and she gets to express them but I also get the reminder as an adult I need to make it so that all of her feelings actually are safe here That means I need to not shut down her crying. I need to not shut down her anger. I can help her express these things. Excuse me, because this is a life skill. She's going to need to know how to talk about these things in every healthy, high-functioning relationship she ever has her whole entire life. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And it's true. That's one of the things. I don't say it the same way that you do. But when, when a child is upset, whether it's my daughter or another child that I'm working with and they're crying, I tell them, I'm, I'm right here. I, I hear you. Your feelings are valid. You are safe. And just sitting with kids and validating that for them is so huge, so huge. And I truly, truly believe that our world would be a different place if that had happened for so many of us as children. And I think that people may hear that and kind of think that it's kind of like a negative mindset, but I also think that we have such an opportunity to speak about what we're talking about right now 
and what God's calling on us to speak about. And we can change that. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be your story. You can change your story. And I think that that piece is so important for people to. Yes. Changing the story is so possible. And we know this about the brain these days. People didn't used to know this. People used to think, you know, the old adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, you actually can. We've got this beautiful capacity in fancy terms called neuroplasticity, where basically we can create new neural pathways or in more common, more accessible language, we can create new patterns, new ways of thinking and new ways of behaving. And we can do it a couple of ways. One is simply, and this is amazing, simply by visualizing what we want to be or do differently, because the brain actually cannot tell the difference between what's happening in real life versus what we are picturing. And that's part of the reason that the quality of our thoughts that we allow ourselves to have is so important. And then, of course, we can practice in real life, too. We can say, this is how I'm going to treat my child gently right now. And look, I did it. And lest we get overwhelmed with the negative parts of being not fine, Mm -hmm. we also have to celebrate the parts of us that are fine, that are thriving and growing and learning. Because when we celebrate our successes as parents moving forward, we actually activate different neural connections in our brains that reinforce, I like this, I want to do more of this, and that strengthens our ability to keep doing the things that feel good to us. Yes. Yes. I remember when I was first reading and understanding about how we can rewire our brains. And it's it's fascinating to me. It's And that's the thing that, like we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, when people are, they want, they want more than just feeling that intuition, that instinct, they want to, they want to really understand it. So that's how I started. It was the intuitive portion. And then I really, I'm someone who just dives deep into research and can spend hours and hours doing that. And I found that fascinating because people would, again, like you said, come to me and talk to me about things, but then they also wanted the other piece because they know that other people are going to be curious about what they're doing and where they heard that and the information to back that up, which you don't necessarily need, but you it's nice to have because then you can show people it and you can say, this is what I've been talking about and this is so cool and we have the opportunity to change things and we don't have to keep doing them certain ways. And there are so many ways to do things. It It is so important that people understand that it needs to be individualized to who you are and how you grew up and what your what your life is now and how to begin to implement these different things into your own life because none of us have the same story none of us have the same life experience and so it's so cool to see the science piece and share that with people and then figure out ways to to make those changes within your own life Exactly. And it's so accessible. This is really something that anybody can do. You don't need the special training. You don't have to spend hours researching. I'm like you. I love that stuff. I could spend all day researching and I'm in my happy place. Yeah. But for, you know, your average, busy, working, multitasking, overwhelmed parent, it can look as simple as, you know what, next time I feel like yelling, Rather than yelling at my child, I am going to yell a ridiculous word instead. (laughs) That way I meet my nervous system's need to yell, Mm -hmm. but I yell something that isn't going to create a problem between me and the child that we have to recover from later. I still get to yell, 
but I yell something that is going to be peaceful instead. Yeah. And that's the thing that's so accessible, no matter who you are, no matter where you are. Yeah. And I love that because that's still meeting your needs and expressing things in a healthy way that you don't have to go back and repair later. And one thing that one of my friends shared with me that she was doing with her kids as a way to help them express how they were feeling, specifically if they were feeling frustrated or overwhelmed, is to just make it fun almost, you know, like just be super silly with them. You, If you see how they are responding to something and you, you can understand as their parent that something's going on, just picking up a pillow and bringing it over to the couch and being like, I'm feeling frustrated because, and just like hitting it on the couch, just doing funny little things. And then they see you doing that and then they feel comfortable doing that too with them. So I've found that doing that with my daughter and with other kids has been helpful because if they see us as adults being silly while also expressing our emotions or whatever is going on inside, it helps them realize, oh, it's okay. Adults do this too. And then you guys can work together to figure out a way to work through it, whether it's individually or something that you can do both at the same time together. I love that. It's so effective every day. (laughs) (laughs) Every day. (laughs) So I would love if you could share a little bit about how, well, you kind of did. You talked about the neuroplasticity and different ways that we can shift ways if we're feeling like our parenting isn't aligning with the way that we want to parent. And so I guess I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and then just maybe what some tips that you've shared with some of the people that you coach with. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Tip number one is I want people to get really specific Mm. about what their goal is. Because if I say I want to be a gentle parent, that's all well and good. But my brain has no idea what to do with that. It's way too broad. So if I can get really specific and say, you know what, I don't want to yell at my children as we're rushing out the door in the morning. Mm. It's a stage for disconnection and then I feel awful, they feel awful. It's a very specific thing. But take it one step further. The brain still can't really work with it because I framed it as a negative. I don't want to do this thing. Right. That's like saying, well, I don't want to put on this shirt this morning. Well, okay, but what shirt do I want to wear? I need to know what to do. So the next step in this process is figure out how and really get into the nitty gritty details. Okay, so when we are running late in the morning and when I'm feeling tempted to yell, what I am going to do is I am going to physically remove myself. I am going to go, maybe I stand in the backyard for five minutes while my kids are getting their stuff together. Maybe I go in the kitchen and I grab a cup of tea and I hold it with both hands and let the warmth radiate into my body. Mm. I'm gonna do these specific things to help keep myself from yelling because I know that yelling is the problem. Mm. So instead, here's what I am going to do. And you notice that I have whittled it down to a really, really specific moment in time. Because when I can get this moment in time right, with as much detail as possible, number one, I am creating those neural pathways that tell my brain what to do, visualizing the details, even picturing the color of the cup I'm going to put my tea in. When I picture these details, my brain says, oh, 
I know what to do with this. I have dealt with this before. And what I want to do is this sequence of events. That gives me something very actionable that I can do. And then last but not least, when I get it right, it will take practice, but when I get it right, I want to celebrate it. If I make it to the car and everybody's happy, nobody has yelled, or maybe I've yelled less than usual, when I get to the car, I am gonna take a pause and acknowledge, even if I just acknowledge to myself, oh my goodness, I did it. This feels so good. Thank you, God, this is amazing. I did it, it feels wonderful. It doesn't mean that I have to do it perfectly every day forevermore. Right. But activate those reward centers in my brain that will strengthen those neural connections so that tomorrow I'm just a little bit more likely to be peaceful again and if I mess it up tomorrow I can ask for forgiveness I can give myself grace yes I feel like what you said when you do something take yourself out of a situation realize the way that you can do your, do something differently. I think that's something that, I mean, I know I struggle with is just feeling just this immense amount of guilt after the fact, and then learning to forgive myself for that and realize where I needed to shift my energy. I needed to fill a need that I had so I can show up better for myself and better for my daughter. For sure. Somebody told me something that really stuck with me a few years ago. Um, We were talking about it within the context of prayer and forgiveness and a relationship with God. And they said something to the effect of, okay, so if you have asked God for for forgiveness and God has forgiven you, who do you think you are to not forgive yourself? Why do you think you are so important that you need to keep carrying it around even if God has already let it go? And that really helped me realize that if I'm actually forgiven, I'm actually forgiven and I need to keep holding on to it and shaming myself around the mistakes I've made. I love that so much. Someone, someone said something similarly to me along the same lines as that. So I think that's important to remember is when we mess up and we ask for forgiveness from God, we need to realize that he's forgiving us and not hold that on, hold on to that and just keep holding that within us because that impacts us far more than we realize as mothers, as people. And our kids need to see that, that we can be forgiven and that they can be forgiven when we, when we mess up. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's grace-based parenting for all of us. Yes. I say that all the time, just to try and give yourself some grace. (laughs) And I think, I think there's a difference between Acknowledging when you do something wrong, apologizing when you make a mistake, seeking forgiveness, and then doing the same things over and over again versus doing those things and then actively doing things to change that so you don't continue to do those things. Exactly. Yep. And we will still fall down. We will still make some of the same mistakes on repeat. And yet, we keep growing. And the yes. thing is, we do them less and less. And it does really get easier. It just takes a lot of practice. Yeah, it just takes time and practice and experimentation. <laughs> just a few different things all mixed together. I know that you already briefly touched on your book, but is there anything that you wanted to share with listeners about it? Because it's coming out soon. It is. Yes. Thank you so much. Um So the title, once again, is Peaceful Discipline, Story Teaching, Brain Science, and Better Behavior. And 
in a nutshell, I go into why a lot of the very common discipline strategies actually don't work and in fact might even backfire. I talk about what to do instead, not only with the why, you know, as in here's what's happening in our children's brains, so they need us to do some things differently. So I give very, very specific strategies to help us know what to do in the moment that actually is effective and will work not only short-term, but also long-term. But then I wrap up with all sorts of stories that we can use with our children. This is the story teaching part of it, because here's the really fascinating thing. We have a part of our brain called the hippocampus, and that really doesn't matter that much. Other than that, it helps validate the science, but the hippocampus is essentially the storyteller of our brain. And we literally, and our children literally, will not remember any lesson in life unless there is a story attached to it. Mm -hmm. It might be a story that we tell them, it might be a story they create for themselves, or what I like best about actual stories, as in with characters and that sort of thing, is those are the most memorable. And the quickest way to drive positive behavioral change is to give that hippocampus something to do, give it a story as an anchor to ground the message that we want our children to internalize with real life. So when it comes up again, when the problem comes up again, we can remind them of the story that we have discussed with them. And I talk in a lot of detail about how this works. It's actually much easier than it sounds. It doesn't require a whole lot of creativity on our part. But I give parents tools to help access that part of their children's brains where they can not only hear the story, hear the message, hear the lesson and the teaching and the discipline, if you will, but also have it be hardwired into their systems so that they know what kind of behavior will serve them better in the future. It is the mm -hmm. quickest way to positive behavioral change. It's through connection. It works so effectively and it's 100% peaceful, even for the most sensitive souls out there. Yeah. And isn't it, isn't it fascinating that our children learn and people learn best through connection and play? It's, and it seems so foreign to so many people, but it's it's so cool to see. We learn so much faster. It gets stored in our brain so much faster when we do that. And then it has a positive impact on us throughout our lives. Exactly. And it doesn't expire, even though this book is generally geared. And I talk a lot about playful parenting for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. Even though this book is generally geared to parents and caregivers of children who are under 10, the thing is, it actually applies to everybody. I use a lot of the strategies in this book with my 52-year-old husband. They <laughs> might feel a little bit different, but they still work just as effectively. So I'm hoping that this will be a true blueprint for an easier, more joyful, more connection-filled life that requires so much less emotional strife on our part it's just easier parenting when it when we do it through connection yes i love it so much i'm so excited i can't wait to read it when it comes out thank you so what would you say your final words or pieces of advice would be for listeners today oh gosh um have some fun 
lighten up, you know, every single, and I say lighten up with nothing but compassion and goodness and grace, hopefully coming through, because we tend to take these day-to-day struggles so seriously that they can really weigh us down after a while. Mm -hmm. We have an attitude of this too shall pass. Wow, isn't it amusing that this thing happened again? Wow, look how hard this is. And there is still growth. There is still so much more going on. And when we can remember what a teeny, teeny, teeny corner of the universe our problem is taking up and just remember how much goodness and beauty and light and love and joy there is all around us, even when we don't feel like there is, we can approach life with so much more hope and so much more compassion for others. Mm-hmm. So be gentle with yourself, be gentle with your children. We're all just doing the best we can. And my heart and my prayers are with all of you. I love that so much. It's so important. I needed to hear that today. I think a lot of people did. Because <laughs> I think sometimes things can feel overwhelming and then you just get stuck in that mindset. But you can shift it. And I love that you said, and, because I've been having a lot of conversations with my friend Carly, instead of saying, but. So changing the word, but to and. So things can feel really hard sometimes. And we can choose to realize that it may feel hard and that's okay. Allow yourself to feel that, but that that doesn't have to be the story for the rest of the day or it doesn't have to be your mood for the rest of the day. We can always shift it. We can always change it. So I love that so much. Thank you. Would you mind sharing where people can find you if they wanted to reach out? Absolutely. So first of all, there are a billion Sarah Moores on the internet. So if you Google Sarah R. Moore, my middle name is Rebecca, you can Google Sarah R. Moore, you are more likely to find me. I am on Facebook and um, several of the other socials as Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting. Instagram, I'm on Dandelion Seeds Positive Living because parenting wouldn't fit. (laughs) Yeah, but either Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting or Dandelion Seeds Positive Living or Sarah R. Moore will get you straight to me. Awesome. And my by the way, dandelionseeds.com does have a hyphen. It's dandelion-seeds.com. And I want people to know that because if you go to Dandelion Seeds without the hyphen, you get something else. <laughs> yeah. I will, And I will include all of your information in the show notes for everybody. I just know that some people like to hear it. So... Thank you so, so much for this beautiful conversation and for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your experiences with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. Yes. Well, as always, listeners, if you have any questions for myself or if you have any questions for Sarah, feel free to reach out to either one of us and we will be back next week. Bye. so much for joining us this week listeners i really hoped you love this episode as much as i did if you enjoyed it learned something new or know someone you feel may benefit from it please share it with them whether you're posting it on social media sending it in a text or an email my goal is to open up these types of conversations within our society within our families within our friend groups as always if you have any feedback questions or know someone you think may be a great guest for the podcast, please connect us on Instagram 
at the Be Loud About What Matters podcast or send an email to be loud about what matters at gmail.com. And if I haven't said it already, if you could please subscribe to the podcast, I would so appreciate it. And also leave a review if it's something that aligns with you and you feel like you want to learn more and you want to keep listening, help us reach more people. I appreciate you all so much and can't wait to chat with you again next week. Bye-bye.